Welcome to the first quality control meeting of the year. Kyle, D'Amico, thank you for coming. Thank you for bringing all your position coaches. I appreciate it. Uh, haven't had a time. We haven't had a chance to do this since last year. But now that training camp is over and I've watched you guys experiment with the players and figure out what works and what doesn't work, sort of run a diagnostic on what you got this year, I think it's time to talk. Seriously, you got about three weeks a little less than three weeks before the season starts. And now you got to start game planning and figuring out what's the best way to use this roster. Because frankly, last year, you guys didn't figure it out until about week 10. The season was on life support. D'Amico figured out that he needed to move Eric Armstead to defensive tackle. Kyle figured out that he needed to move Debo Samuel to running back. The rest is history. Let's, let's see if we can figure this out before November this year. Maybe we can do it in August. So let's start today. Let me make sure we don't have any... Uh, any stragglers? No, everyone's in here. Okay. Let's, first of all, let's put it this way. D'Amico, you can go. You got, you, you know what you're doing. You got this under control. Your defense just dominated training camp. Your position coaches are really good. You got a well-oiled machine on defense. Goodbye. Thank you for coming. Sorry to waste your time, but I appreciate you. Keep doing what you're doing. I don't think D'Amico's going to see D'Amico. I don't think D'Amico's going to be here much longer. He's going to be a head coach next year. He probably should be the head coach of the Vikings right now if he hadn't pulled himself out of that. D'Amico, thank you. You can go. All right. Kyle, let's talk. And all, all the offensive coaches have to stay because most of you guys are new. Kyle, you're not new. So, look, I admire what you're doing with Trey Lance. You traded up. You didn't take Mac Jones. You took the kid with real potential, with real traits. And now, But he's a project, and you know it. And it's early on in the process. And... <sighs> Now you got to fix some things. What you what did you learn in training camp? Well, you learned that when you call that 15-yard pass over the middle that you called all the time for Jimmy, the dig, that Trey can hit it sometimes, but he sometimes he'll miss it a little bit behind the receiver. Sometimes, most of the time when he misses, he misses it high. And when you miss that pass high, it's intercepted by the free safety. That happened to him quite a few times in training camp especially the last couple of days, you were really drilling that dig route over and over and over again because it's a big part of the offense and clearly you want to call it. You can't call it. Not now. It's not something he does well enough for you to call in critical situations right now. So that's your job, Kyle, this year is to avoid the middle of the field until Trey demonstrates that he can hit the throw and not miss high as much as he is because, again, the high misses over the middle are interceptions. You can throw deep over the middle, past the safeties, and this is a problem, right? Because the whole the whole reason to go to Trey was to open up the entire field. Jimmy plays on a tennis court. Only the, the short stuff and intermediate stuff between the numbers. You can't call anything else. And you wouldn't call anything else, Kyle. You only call the stuff that he could do. Well, now, right now, the stuff that Trey can do is the opposite. It's the outside the numbers stuff and down the field. Eventually, he'll have the whole field if you coach him correctly. But right now, you can't force that. Because it's not proficient enough. He's not proficient enough at those throws. If you call him stubbornly because that's your offense and that's what you want to do, he's going to throw picks. And the one thing you said this year, right, is he can't make the big mistake. Well, don't lead him into the big mistake. Because he, he has some physical mechanical issues right now, which I'm going to talk about with Brian Greasy. You can stay for that. Which can fix this. But right now it's not fixed. And if you call that dig over the middle, you're rolling the dice as to whether or not he's going to sell that throw. I wouldn't roll that dice right now, not with this defense, not with this running game, not with Lance's ability to throw down the field and outside the numbers and your ability to, to scheme up all kind of safe, non-risky throws. 
again, if you could do this for Jimmy and call the stuff he's good at, you can do this for Trey until he expands what he's good at. So this is your task. Don't call these digs over the middle early in the season until Trey can throw them better. Because if Trey starts throwing a bunch of picks and it's on throws over the middle, I'm going to say, hey, Kyle, those are avoidable. We talked about this. This is what the Eagles do with Jalen Hurts. They have him throw outside the numbers. Again, if you miss outside the numbers, incomplete. You might hit a coach, a position coach, a hot dog vendor. You're not going to hit a free safety in the field of play, most likely. Especially if you're missing high. And then you're definitely going to hit the hot dog vendor. So, Kyle, this is one way to mitigate a weakness if you're in your offense right now. Don't call these passes. There's so many other things you can do. You can run the ball 40 times. You can run Trey. You can throw outside the numbers. You can call play-action bootleg dump-offs in the flat. You can call the, you know, the, the pop pass. So many things you can do. But this is, the, this is, the, la- this is the, the icing on the cake when Trey can do this. Not now. You tried. You got the diagnostic. Not ready for this. Don't throw Trey under the bus if you call a bunch of these passes and he throws picks. You saw what happened in training camp. You're trying to do a diagnostic, right? Well, the results are in. He's not ready to do this a lot yet. Maybe someday. Okay, that's enough of you. Let's talk Brian Greasy. And Kyle, you can stay for this if you want. But Brian Greasy, you're a first-year quarterback coach. I respect it. It's not an easy job. And I'm not saying I could do it better than you, but we got to talk. Because you have the biggest project in the NFL right now. And you're the most important coach in the, in the organization other than Kyle Shanahan. you got to get this right. A lot of people compare Trey Lance to Josh Allen. Well, Josh Allen, his quarterback coach was Ken Dorsey who before he worked with Josh Allen had turned Cam Newton from a good college style quarterback into an MVP. Ken, Dor- Ken Dorsey's really good and he'd proven it. Now he's doing the same thing with Josh Allen. Brian, you don't have that background. You've never coached before. When we ask you what kind of coach you are, you say, I don't know. Well, this is the kind of coach you need to be. Uh, the coach who teaches Trey how to not miss high. If you can fix this one thing, you'll be a very successful quarterback coach. You'll make a lot of money. I don't know if you need money, but I think I have the fix for you. You can take credit for it and say you figured it out, even though you didn't. It was me. Trey has two issues right now. The tendency to miss high, which is going to limit the offense unless he fixes it, because you can't call the intermediate throws over the middle if he keeps missing high. And arm fatigue, which, I mean, I don't know about. I'm not in his body, but it's been reported, even from the 49ers, that it happens. I think there's one fix that can fix both of those things. Now, Brian, I don't know if you've, analyzed Trey Lance's throwing motion in slow motion. You should be. Everyone in the staff should be. It's easy to. You can do it with an iPhone. I did it yesterday. I posted Trey Lance throwing in slow motion, and I spoke to some former quarterback coaches who have a lot of experience. I'm not going to say who they are. Um, Guys who've done this a lot longer than you, Brian, no offense. And to them, it's like they saw it in 20 seconds. It's front leg. He extends it too early. I don't know if you've seen it. You may not have the background experience to see it. These guys saw it. I'm passing it along to you. So I didn't see it. Someone told me with a lot of experience. Now you can go to Kyle and say you have the uh, the solution. Kyle, your muffs. This isn't for you. So, okay. What's the deal? He seems to be extending his front leg a little too early. Now, if he extends his front leg too early, it doesn't mean he misses the throw every time. I'll, I'll take you through it. What happens is, you're supposed to go you're supp- a, a mechanically sound throw. You don't have, Not everyone has to throw the same way, but a mechanically sound throw is bent knee to bent knee. You push off of a bent knee, you land on a bent knee, and you extend your knee after you release during the deceleration phase of your arm when you're slowing it down. 
That's how you're supposed to throw it. That's how you're taught to throw it. That's how Tom Brady throws it. It's not how Trey Lance throws it all the time. Sometimes he does, which, which shows you that he's getting the right. Maybe you're doing it, Brian. You're giving him the right instruction. He does it right sometimes. Sometimes he locks his leg a little uh, too early. And that looks like the leg is extended and the ball is just behind his ear. If you watch Tom Brady, when the ball's above his head, his leg is still bent. That allows him to get on top of the ball. Trey, he's, his arm is dragging. So he, when he throws from this position, what does he have to do? He has to speed up his arm. He has to accelerate his arm because it's a little bit behind, like a, a millisecond behind. His upper body is trailing his lower body. His lower, the, his lower body process is happening too fast. So he has to accelerate his arm. If he accelerates it fast enough and cor overcorrects, he can hit the throw accurately. But that requires a lot of torque that Tom Brady isn't doing. Extra torque. And then as soon as you release the ball, now you got to slow your arm down. And I don't think football people, I mean, football fans understand. Maybe, Brian, you, maybe you don't understand this. Baseball people understand this. The deceleration phase of throwing is the most violent. And that's where injuries happen. That's where most pitcher injuries happen. Not releasing the ball, slowing your arm down. That's where you can really hurt your ligaments, your elbow, all kinds of things. And if he's giving extra torque, extra acceleration to make up for an arm that's dragging because his, because his front leg is extended too quickly, then the deceleration phase is going to be even more violent. And you know what's going to happen? Arm fatigue. At first, down the line, it could lead to an injury. So you got to fix this right now. So what I'm telling you is, Brian, and you know this, you were coached. Your, your dad is one of the most famous quarterbacks of all time. I bet he went bent knee to bent knee. I bet you threw bent knee to bent knee. If you can get Trey to do that, he'll be more on top of his throws. His spiral will be better. He won't miss high and he won't have arm fatigue. You'll fix three things with one fix. The spiral, the high, the high misses, and the arm fatigue. All can be fixed by having a bent front knee at the release point. He'll get on top of the ball. He won't have to muscle it. He won't have to muscle his arm through the, uh, at the end of the motion because it's dragging. His deceleration phase will be less violent. All will be fixed. Brian, this is it. This is the key to the franchise. If you can't fix this, Trey's never going to be Josh Allen. And, you know, it's interesting. Alex Smith had the same issue. I remember this 10 years ago. I think it was Ron Jaworski pointed out that he locked his leg too soon. Compromises accuracy. It compromises a lot of stuff. Trey doesn't do it every time. He can do it correctly. And even when he does it incorrectly, he's so gifted that he can whip his arm through the uh, – he can whip his arm through and still throw an accurate pass sometimes. Other times he misses high. And it all leads to arm fatigue. It's too much. If you just do it correctly, his arm would be easy, free and easy. Anyway, Brian, try it. Because I don't know what you're trying. Doesn't seem to be working. You knew Trey was a project. You knew he's going to need certain help, help in certain basics. This is it right here. You're welcome. You owe me a nickel. All right, let's talk Leonard Hankerson, new wide receiver coach. Leonard, uh, I'm going to be, I'm not going to be too harsh on you. This is your first year. And I know you're doing a lot of the things that you saw from Wes Welker. I don't think you're doing too much different, but I think you want, need to find some new drills early in practice. For example, you have this one drill. I filmed it yesterday where the wide receivers kind of run up the sideline and you stand perpendicular to them and throw it down the sideline. So they're right. Here's the sideline. They're running this way and you're throwing it to them this way. That never happens in a game. 
I don't like drills that have no real world application. It kind of reminds me of the drill that Rich Gangarello did last year where the co where the quarterbacks would shuffle back and forth for like 15 seconds and then throw a really long pass across the field. Like what you're teaching them to do is take a sack and then throw a pick six. I don't I, there's other ways to teach whatever you're trying to teach, pocket movement or whatever. A more real world application, like a quick step and then a quick check down. Not that. And then this, I, I don't understand what you're mimicking from a real game when they're it, it kind of looks like like a, a screen to a wide receiver in an arena football league game where they get like a, a, a 10 yard running start. So I guess if this was arena football, there would be one application for this drill, but it's not. So there's zero real world applications for this drill. I would scrap it. There are other ways you can probably teach them hand-eye coordination other than this weird faux screen, bubble screen thing. All I'm saying, and maybe I think a lot of coaches don't think about it. They're like, oh, I want to just coach this thing and it doesn't matter where we are on the field. No, it needs to sort of feel like a game. It needs to be as close to a game as possible. Like you wouldn't have at any time Trey Lance line up on the field and start throwing the ball from sideline to sideline ever. You wouldn't do that. He would always be under center facing one end zone or another, right? It seems like a small detail, but it mattered. Why would you ever have him throwing from one sideline to another. You don't do that in a game. You don't face that way in a game. You're never going to take snaps that way in a game. Why would you throw east to west? It's always north and south. So same thing here, Leonard. It's got to be more real world applicable than that. But it's a small thing. I think you're doing a good job first year. Don't be so married to the stuff that Wes Welker did because frankly, Wes was a terrible wide receiver coach. You can be better. Do some different stuff. All right, let's talk Chris Forrester. Chris, you're a really good coach. And no disrespect to anyone else on the offensive staff, but you're the OG here. You've been doing this a long time. You're the one with experience. Brian, first year. Leonard, first year. Anthony's been doing it a long time, too. Anthony Lynn, I'm going to get to you next. You're, you're an OG as well. But Chris, you got the experience. You And what I like about you is you've been adamant about Jake Brendel all year. This is our center. And you must have really made a great case because the Niners didn't draft a center, didn't sign a center. I mean, the guy had the... the the last preseason game off because apparently he's so important. You can't, he's like on, on the A team. So look, I, we'll see about Jake Brendel, but you have this conviction. You're very, Kyle trusts you. I appreciate that. Take it one step further. Have the same conviction with Jason Poe. And I know you're going there. I can see it in practice. All of a sudden Poe splitting reps. Oh, that, where'd that come from? That's not normal. Kyle tried to be like, oh, you know, we, we, we rotate people all the time. Yeah, huh? Well, I don't know any other undrafted free agents that are playing with the starters right now. Like Jordan Mason. Really good player. Hasn't gotten that opportunity yet. So Chris Forrester, good. Kyle, too. Whoever on the offense decided that this needed that Poe needed to look, good. Keep pushing. I think you've seen what you need to see. He's better than Banks. Say it. Just like you said Jake Brendel is better than Daniel Brunskill. You said it with your chest. You believed it. Say it. Jason Poe is better than Aaron Banks. Say it. Jason Poe is better than Aaron Banks. Say it, Chris. Say it, Chris. Jason Poe is better than Aaron Banks. You know it's true. Keep saying it. Tell it to Aaron Banks. Maybe it'll bring out the best in him. But if Jason Poe is starting week one for the 49ers, that's a good thing. You can make that happen. You got three weeks to, to put him through the ringer and make sure he's ready for it. But I think he's more ready for it than Banks. Say it, Chris. Jason Poe is better than Aaron Banks. Jason Poe is better than Aaron Banks. You know it's true. Anyway, good job. Keep up the good work.
Anthony Lynn. Let's end with you. Assistant head coach, de facto running back coach because Bobby Turner's gone. Um, look, you know what you're doing. You have a lot of experience. I'm not telling you how to do your job. All I'm saying, I'm a fresh set of eyes. I'm coming to you humbly as a fresh set of eyes. Sometimes coaches can get a little too close to things, see things the way they want to see it instead of the way they do, the way it really is. So I don't know, maybe you, I haven't talked to you. I don't know how you see the running back situation, but let me, let me see if I can guess. I think you love Ty Davis Price. I think you're the reason they drafted him. I think you're the one that essentially scouted him and said that he's good. And I think you believe in him. Great. I'm not saying you're wrong. You might be right. He might be a hell of a running back. All I'm saying is you got another rookie who's shown a lot as well in Jordan Mason. And frankly, I think you could argue that Jordan Mason has shown more early on than Ty Davis Price. So I'm not saying Jordan Mason is going to be better than Ty Davis Price. But just the way Chris Forrester is getting Jason Poe some first string reps and seeing what it looks like. Seeing, making sure it's not a mirage, like Jason Poe kicking ass against third and second stringers. Okay, is that a mirage? What's it look like against starters? They're finding out. It's looking good. Well, can't you do that with Jordan Mason too? I mean, we how many starting reps does Trey Sermon need to get before? I mean, I, you see, you see it with Trey Sermon. He doesn't run hard enough. He's not explosive. He's not fast. Ty Davis Price deserves those reps, but so does Jordan Mason. Before you let Kyle Shanahan cut Jordan Mason and see if he passes through waivers and you can get him on the practice squad, he might, he might not. Can you get him some reps with the starters in the first half? Come on, Anthony. You're the, you're the assistant head coach. If Chris Kacerik, excuse me, if Chris Forrester can get Kyle Shanahan to put Jason Poe in with the starters a little bit, can't you get Kyle Shanahan to get Jordan Mason some reps? That way we know if it's real or not. Because I think it's real. I have a feeling Jordan Mason's the best running back on the team. And I know you weren't expecting that. I'm, I'm guessing you're still team TDP, but let's see it. No one can predict the future. Sometimes funny things happen, especially at running back. So Anthony, I'm humbly requesting that you play Jordan Mason the first half of this upcoming game, just because it's hard to make a definitive statement about him yet. And I feel like we can make a definitive statement about Trey Sermon. Sorry, but you would agree with me, right? Just, just blink if you agree with me. I saw that. I saw that. Nice. Okay. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, everyone. That's that's the meeting. Good stuff. Go get them. Go get the bears. All right. I'm going to answer some questions for people who were definitely not watching this private meeting. Bryant says, shout out 0824 is my birthday, and Jimmy G is still in the Niners. Hey, shout out Bryant Culp. Happy birthday. Bryant Culp and his wife make all the quality control merch, which you can buy at 49ersqcmerch.com. They get a cut of the proceeds, 10% off, CPH1, promo code, promo code. Thanks, Brian. Happy birthday. Irfan Mirza says, why do you think guys like Montana and Favre think Jimmy should start? Because they identify with Jimmy. Though Montana and Favre got pushed out. All-time greats that got pushed out before they wanted to be pushed out. They wanted to go out on their terms like, you know, who, you know. Whoever got to go out on his terms, who? John Elway. Didn't get to. So it's kind of weird to think of Joe Montana and Brett Favre identifying with Jimmy Garoppolo, the most mediocre quarterback of all time. Can that be his legacy? The most mediocre quarterback of all time. Not just a mediocre quarterback, but the most mediocre quarterback of all time. That's who Jimmy was. Is. Always will be.
But that's why it's, it's kind of uh, pathetic to see all-time greats identify with such, you know, with such brilliant mediocrity. LTTB since 87 says, calling it now, Trey QB1, Jimmy QB2, Purdy QB3, Sudfeld practice, squatter cut. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Or maybe they keep four quarterbacks. No, just keep Sudfeld. Just kidding. I mean, cut Sudfeld. The mech says running perpendicular to the pass. That's an in route. No, think about the, 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 the wide receivers are running up the sideline. They're running up the sideline. They're catching a pass at the line of scrimmage, essentially. So the, the quarterback's here facing the sideline. The wide receivers have a 10-yard head start, and they catch the ball right at the line of scrimmage like it's a screen pass. That's like a – you would never do that, ever. I don't like drills like that. Every drill should be mimicking some type of actual football thing. Okay, QC coach, let's talk conditioning via over under the number of games missed this coming season for key players. Lance, 0. 0.5. Uh, I think he'll miss. I think he'll miss a game. Kittle two point. Oh, I think he'll miss more than that. Trent Williams two point five, less. I think he'll miss like two. Mitchell one point five more. Debo point five more. Sorry. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Kind of thing. Niners always get hurt. Sorry. They built the team this way. Jay says there are rumors that Banks and Sermon are getting traded in a package deal on Friday. Wow. Great for what? Package of what? Who wants them? Seventh round pick. Sweet. Dope. And I think they should, though. Because, frankly, I mean, what do you need? I don't even think Trey Sermon is the fourth bet. I, I think Trey Sermon is the worst running back on the roster. I like Jermichael Hasty better than Trey Sermon. Definitely like Jeff Wilson Jr. better than him. Ty Davis Price runs, runs way harder than Trey Sermon. Watch Trey Sermon at the end of runs. He doesn't fall forward. Ever. Not ever. Mostly does not fall forward. Gets hit, stood up, thrown on his back. Sorry. That's not good enough when you got Jeff Wilson Jr. who's, you know, runs like he's 250. Elijah Mitchell runs like he's 250. Tight of his price runs like he's 250. Jordan Mason runs like he's 390 pounds. No, I'm just kidding. Then you got Trey Sermon who's built like he's 220, but he runs like he's 190. Nah, can't have it. He runs like he's 190, but he still has runs a, a 4'6". Nah, I, look, not his fault for being the athlete. He is not, why did the Niners draft this guy? I don't understand that. I don't get it. If you look in there... Um, Media guy, the two things they noted about him is that he knew the offense because they studied it at Ohio State and that he had a very high vertical leap. Well, maybe they've updated the criteria they use to draft running backs because now it's all about how hard you run, I think, how violent you are. Because that's the offense, the identity the Niners want, which I understand. But yeah, Mason RB1. Thanks for watching, everyone. I'll be back tonight with uh, Jesse Naylor. 49ers after dark. Golf voice grin. It's not going to happen. No one wants Jimmy. John Lynch, no one's going to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. When you cut him in a few weeks, no one's going to praise you for that. Not, none of this is smart. None of this makes sense. You should have cut Jimmy months ago. You're going to hold on to Jimmy Garoppolo all season, say that you still want to trade him, but you're never going to trade him. It's a huge distraction. It's not going to happen. Okay, guys. Thanks for watching. I'll be back later. Peace.